I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hi everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here and I have a wonderful guest that was referred to us by one of our podcasters and the one of the founders of our PR firm, Ryan McCormick. Love Ryan. He's one of those people that I can talk to literally about everything and anything. That's an amazing thing, people. Trust me. <laughs> but um, our guest, Nancy Dannison, is a friend of his, and she's been on his show and um, has such an interesting topic for us today, multiple topics. We're going to get through as much as we can in our 50 minutes together. And then if we don't get through it all, hopefully she'll come back on again. So Nancy, thank you so much for agreeing to come on my show. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. So you have this background as a trial lawyer and, um, you know, practicing in healthcare and a very different background from then what happened in your life and your life is very different now so um, yes <laughs> can you talk a little bit about you know about that piece and then what happened to make such a huge change in your life I was not the typical person to have the spiritual adventure that I have had I was always driven by being you know the smartest at what I was doing, you know, the best at what I was doing. I always got good grades. I was a national merit finalist in high school. I got two college degrees, magna cum laude, one of which was psychology. And my plan at the time I was in college was to go into psychiatry. Um, but things changed, and um, I, I never did that. So I, My plan B was to go to law school. So I went to law school, and I had practiced law for 36 years. I'm now retired. When I was 43 years old, I was diagnosed with what was suspected to be breast cancer. And instead of doing like a needle or punch biopsy, I was scheduled directly for surgical removal. Wow. But the only way to find, there, there are certain breast cancers that present as calcium deposits on a mammogram. Mm -hmm. And you can't feel a lump. So the only way that the surgeon knows where to cut 
is if a radiologist sticks a large bore needle with a wire inside of it into the area to be excised, and then they pull the needle out. When the process of doing that radiological procedure, I died. And I was alone at the time because the radiologist and the radiology technician had left to get the, I think it was the fourth set of films. We had to do this procedure a couple of times um, to get deep enough and centered enough for all three lesions. So while they were gone, I took off too, and I went into the afterlife. Mm. And I had the most extensive afterlife experience recorded because most people don't survive um, being dead as long as I was. And unfortunately, I don't know exactly how long I was dead. They were gone long enough to take a break and get films developed and come back. And, and I was there gone were, at least there about... Weren't... There weren't any like alarms going off connected to you saying, hey, 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 she's, you know, she, there's no heartbeat. No, I was, I was just sitting in a chair with this wire sticking out of my breast, waiting for them to come back to take mm -hmm. me over to surgery. Okay. Um, so, no, I wasn't hooked up to anything. I hadn't had any drugs. Uh, the only medication that, and the only anything I'd had since midnight the night before was the local anesthetic that they used to before sticking the wire in. And okay. apparently I was allergic to that. So I got out of my body, went into the light, and I was instantly inundated with what I call knowings because it was for each topic that downloaded into my mind as a knowing, I got everything there ever was or ever would be to know about that topic as though I had personally lived it and mm -hmm. knew it from firsthand experience. Okay. And some of the things I got were about mental illness and how um, scientists and medical practitioners have the wrong idea about some things that are mental illness. And we can talk about that later if you want. Oh, heck yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, and then I once I realized I was dead, I... And the way I figured that out was I was out of body and kind of above, like about ceiling level mm -hmm. and looking down at my body. And I said to myself, nah, I couldn't have died because I always heard if, when you die, you go through a tunnel. And instantly I was in a tunnel. And it wasn't one of those beautiful, glorious, you know, celestial field filled tunnels with my loved ones welcoming me. I got a dirt tunnel with a railroad trestle over top, and it was smelly and cold and wet. Um, but I realized I had created that with my mind, just by thinking the word tunnel. So okay. I did two more experiments to, to see if I could, in fact, create exactly what feels like reality here on Earth by just thinking it. And I did, so I did that three times. And then I went on and I met my five closest, uh, dearest, beloved friends, from all eternity, none of whom I've ever known on earth. Okay. I had, I had a life review once I, and I, during the life review, I was shown all the other lifetimes I had lived. There were hundreds of them, maybe even thousands. And I remembered mm -hmm. every single moment of every single one. After that, I realized that I could still get that information downloading into my mind, but I could focus, you know, what I wanted to know instead of just having it all just kind of pour in there randomly. And so I asked 
what I thought were the most important questions, given the fact that I didn't know how long I was going to be there. Right. Who is God? Who am I? What's the purpose of life? What does God expect of me? Where's heaven? Where's hell? And what's the one true religion? Because I had been reared as a Catholic. Okay. I had 12, 12 years of Catholic education, six years of Methodist college. So, so I got the answers to those you got the answer to those questions. And it's so interesting to me that everybody in that experience, you know, that has had some kind of experience like that would ask different questions because it's relative to the things that weigh on your mind. Yes. The experience itself is tailored to the individual. Mm-hmm. Just, just like our, our lives here on earth are really unique. Um, our afterlives are also unique. So after I um, got the answers to those questions, I was angry, and I thought, I felt betrayed because it wasn't anything like what I'd been taught in school or in church. And I wanted to know why everybody felt like they couldn't just give me the truth while I was on earth. And in response to that, I was shown this documentary-style vision of the creation of earth and the development of religion across the ages, and then earth's future, and then eventual demise Mm. and after that I merged into the creator the entity that most religions call God or Allah the supreme being and I witnessed creation firsthand and I saw exactly how everything was created how we were created where we fit into the grand scheme of things and I awoke to the knowledge that we are all God We've never been separate. We've never been anything different. We've had amnesia, but we are all, each of us, part of the same deity that we worship. And was there any explanation as to, um, you know, why when we show up as in this particular lifetime, you know, that you're in, why we have that amnesia? Yes, it's an, it's intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, the the entity that most people call God, I call I now call Source, because mm-hmm. it wasn't anything like a human. It's a big, it's a infinite energy field, and it's the source of all life. So I call it Source. Um, source designed the amnesia because we are each of us, you know, you, me, everybody, we are individual personalities within Source's mind. Each personality has been uniquely created to include character traits that are innate to source, so they're divine character traits, and character traits that are unique to each personality. They're traits that source can imagine but can't directly experience because of its own divine nature. And then each of its personalities put some of our energy into something in the universe through the process of incarnation. And in order for source to be able to feel like it's real, that what happens during incarnation is real and have real emotions about it and real reactions, it invented this amnesia. Mm-hmm. And it is imposed upon us not only while we're incarnated, but also while we're in the afterlife. Okay. And is it is the goal of of going into these different lifetimes? Is it for the evolution of our soul? 
or the expansion yeah. of our soul? Uh, depends on how you mean evolution. Um, what I would yeah, I, I see what, what you mean by that. That, that word's too yeah. limiting. Um, to gosh, I know it's the words are hard to pick out, but well, you can, know what? You, you go ahead I, and finish it. Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. I was told that the purpose of life is for source to experience 360 degrees of every topic in which it's interested. So mo there are, and there are three purposes to life, but the, ma the one that most of us are working on, working in, is the one where we have picked a theme about something that's unique to human life. Since we're incarnating in humans, we pick something that is unique to human life and to human creatures to study. And let's say it's something like greed. Humans are greedy. We may come into one, ten, a hundred, a thousand different human lives over and over and over until we have been in every kind of relationship to the concept of greed mm. so that we can study it from all 360 degrees. So it's not a punishment, it's to study. We choose it. We can okay. choose whether to incarnate or not. And mm -hmm. we choose the theme and we choose how long we want to study it. And we choose when we're finished. And then when we're finished incarnating, we go into the next phase of the afterlife. And when we go into that next phase of the afterlife, we can choose to stay there for a while um, or, in, or incarnate, correct? We always can choose and what we're why, going to do. And so why, if we chose not to and we stayed there, what are we doing there? When I was in the afterlife, I, most near-death experiencers, um, when they return to the afterlife, they go into the incarnation stage of afterlife. And the afterlife has stages just like human life does, you know, childhood, mm -hmm. adulthood, you know, adolescence. Well, the afterlife has stages like that. And they're not progressive like they are in human life. Mm -hmm. But the stage I went into was um, where I could merge my energy, my personality, my individuality, everything that I know of as me into one of my five friends and then experience their incarnated lives, you know, just snippets of it here okay. and there. And I could experience those snippets either as myself or as them. And I was switching back and forth. And I, I did that just over and over and over and I would sometimes I would combine into two or three of them at the same time. And I was told that I had to get used to this merging of energy idea, this combining of personalities before I could move on to the next stage, which is combining or merging or awakening as the creator. Hmm. OK, so when we leave, we're doing work in this place. It's just different from the human experience of doing work. I, it didn't feel like work to me. It just felt right. thrilling and exciting yeah. and wonderful. <laughs> I say, I use the word work because I love what I do that's deemed work. So to me, that's not like a bad word. It's like a growth and I get to do this thing I love and it's expansive and so on. So I, I don't put any 
to me, that's a joyous word. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, I've, I've had some joyous work and some not so joyous work, but yes, we, we are, we are busy in the afterlife, um, doing things that interest and thrill us. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. And why would somebody choose to then go, you know, into incarnate into another life? Because it's it's painful. There's no time in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So what what is, you know, 96 years of human living is feels like about two seconds in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. We incarnate because we like the physical sensations. Like as soon as I got into the light and I, I realized I was never coming back to human life again, and I missed the feel of sun on my skin. I missed being touched. I missed the wind blowing on me. I really, really, really missed chocolate. Mm -hmm. And so we incarnate in order to have those physical experiences. And to us, souls, in the afterlife, you know, human life is like two seconds in comparison to our eternal life. So it's not that much of a burden to spend two seconds that includes some suffering and some pain to get the good stuff, to get the sensations that we're after. Gotcha. Yeah, that idea that the grass is always greener on the other side, that comes from our spiritual nature because we always think the grass is always greener, incarnation. (laughs) And while we're incarnated, we think it's better in the afterlife. Interesting, interesting. So you obviously didn't stay there. You came back. So, uh, So how was, well, continue, you know, continue on with the story of the things that you learned while you were there. I know some of the things you talked about were in your book and so on are about how to actually manifest things and kind of going beyond some of the things that we hear, you know, with the law of attraction theory and that kind of thing. Um, what, what kinds of things, you know, can you share with us about that? While I was in the afterlife and um, I don't remember exactly when, but I think it was when all that information was being downloaded into my mind when I first got into the light, I was basically told that Source has given accurate messages about eternal truths to humans over and over and over, but they'd been misinterpreted or misconstrued, and there was something about manifesting that had been misconstrued, and I didn't know what manifesting was at the time I was given this information. So later on, after I manifested the three physical environments in the afterlife, I realized, oh, hey, that was manifesting. 
And then later still, after I had the life review and after I got the answers to all my, you know, my eternal questions that I posed, I got a huge download about how source manifested the entire universe. It exists in its imagination the same way that our dreams exist in our minds through our imagination. And it created creatures to inhabit the universe the same way we create creatures to inhabit our dreams. And source created us, souls, parts of itself, to inhabit the creatures in the universe the same way that we are usually a character in our own dreams. Mm-hmm. And in our dream, you know, we're inside a dream character and we're looking out and we're interacting with the other you know, people in the dream the same way that we do in waking life. Well, incarnation is source's way of doing that same thing, of being in the dream and experiencing it directly. And we are the parts of source that, that do that through incarnation. And because mm-hmm. we are parts of source and because source manifested the entire universe, we have the same ability to manifest the physical life we're living. We can literally create new physical matter out of thin air with our creative intention. We can literally create new events, new opportunities, new changes in our life through the power of our spiritual ability to manifest. And all it takes is Attention and intention. The attention part is sometimes can be a little bit complicated because we need information in order to know what to manifest. And we usually manifest within the the principles of the physical world. Like, for example, even though we have the ability to, you know, manifest an elephant into our living room, we're not going to do that because we don't have any good explanation for how it got there. So even though our manifestations do, in fact, constitute miracles at times, usually we kind of follow the ground rules of being in human life. So the attention part is where we decide what it is we want to change about our life and what information we need to make that change. And the intention part is having the spiritual intention to create physical reality. And then we wait for it to appear. And then the trick is recognizing our manifestation because it's not going to be instant every time. There can be different amounts of time delay. And sometimes it presents in a way that we didn't expect. Right. Like, for example, I wanted, um, I've got stage three metastatic cancer, and I wanted a way to boost my immune system. And so I, I, you know, worked on manifesting that and I went to a doctor's office and he told me I had a vitamin D deficiency. And I thought, well, that's not much of a good manifestation, you know? And so I started (laughs) taking vitamin D and it turns out vitamin D boosts your immunity. So the problem that was presented to me was the solution to, you know, my, what I was looking for as a manifestation. So you have to have your eyes open and kind of, think creatively in terms of being able to recognize what you manifested. Okay. Gotcha. And then rega- regardless of what we manifest, we always have the option of accepting it or not. How about this notion that 
there are people here that are better than or that have a, the, a gift or a trick or whatever than we do because they have more money or they have celebrity or they have whatever. Um, does that, I always look at things like that now, like, you know, that's their life experience. That's what they, that's what their soul is supposed to experience here, but it doesn't make them better than someone who doesn't have that kind of a bank account, doesn't have celebrity. It's just a different soul experience. Is, am I, you know, is that, does that resonate with you? Oh, that's exactly right. And when you really, you know, when you look at the information the way it was presented to me, if we are all literally parts of sources, self-awareness, we're identical. I mean, we're completely equal in every way. Right. And the fact that, that one, one little part of source has a lot of money and a two-second long human life <laughs> is inconsequential. Right. Because we run around as humans and we're, especially in the United States, where we, you know, we look at celebrity, we celebritize people, we look at someone like Oprah Winfrey as an example, and I'm not putting her down at all, I don't know the woman at all, and we say, oh my gosh, she has achieved this, she's got something in her that is better than the rest of us, and we should aspire to be like that. And I think that that is absolutely false. It is absolutely false. And when I was watching that documentary of, you know, the development of religions on earth, I saw that source has given us a million messengers of eternal truth. To me, that's the highest calling. And not a single one of them was a celebrity or <laughs> royalty or, you know, anybody that you'd ever heard of. They were, you know, the clerk at the local grocery store and your secretary and your mom. And and they, I, I saw exactly the message that they were delivering through their lives. They were the standouts in history that I saw. Mm, that is so, listeners, whether you are freaking out listening to this or not, because um, I, I want to, you know, have compassion, of course, for those of you that are very, um, very much believe what you believe. And this may be way out of the box for you. And you know that I will talk, I want to investigate everything. But um, if there's one thing that you could take away from this, regardless of any of this being way too far out of your comfort zone, please take away that that's the truth. Celebrities and what it looks like a celebrity, they're no better and no worse than anybody else. And your life, you know, maybe you don't own your own home. Maybe you don't even have a home. Maybe you, whatever is going on with you, what we are told in society is important is absolute BS. That's that just isn't that none of that stuff is what's really, what's really important, regardless of whether you believe what we're saying or not. And as I mentioned before, when I was given this information about, um, you know, that scientists and medical practitioners have the wrong idea about mental illness. Yeah. What yeah. I was shown is that, some things that medicine calls mental illness is actually the expression of a spiritual ability. 
Mm. that we all have in the spiritual world, but not very many people are able to express it through a human life. So these are people who are way more spiritual in that sense than everybody else. They have abilities that are far superior to everybody else. And the only way that humans know how to deal with people that are outside the norm is to label them abnormal. Right, as mentally ill. And, and, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And one, Interesting. Yeah, one one good example of that is um there've been a lot of celebrity and there was a TV show about um you know the fact that a very few women have total recall. They can tell you exactly, you know, what happened on a certain day in their lives and the weather and what the new current events were and what was going on in their life. They have total recall of everything in their life. And you know, I think the reports have been that there may be a handful of people like that in the world today. Right. It we're is all me. like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're all like that. That's a spiritual ability. We mm. all have that exact same total recall in the afterlife, in the spiritual life. It's just that those few people, for some reason, are able to demonstrate it and exhibit it through their human life. And, and a lot of people that are able to do those things think that they're insane. Yes. Like hearing voices. We all hear voices in the afterlife. We have to learn to tune them out. That's not abnormal to us in spiritual mm. life. Interesting. It's just abnormal to human life. And, and you know, like hearing music, I hear music all the time. I probably shouldn't tell people that, but, you know, there are things that, um, because everybody doesn't do them, you know, humans are afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't like anything outside their comfort zone. So they have to put a nasty label on it and right. shun people. And they do that with geniuses. And they do that with, with people with low IQs without regard to the value of the person. Right. There without are, regard to the value of the soul. Right. That's what my, this wonderful woman, Martha, I say her name a lot on this show, but the things that I have been able to see while on her table in a session with her have been incredible journeys. And, um, she, I, you know, if I would come to her and I'm really upset about someone who's just, um, you know, being extremely toxic, you know, their behavior is just, you know, almost evil or sometimes, you know, seemingly evil. And she, she started to sort of turn my head around about that by saying, listen, you don't have to believe this or not, Kristen. You know, she's she's not trying to convince anybody of everything she said. But I would just like you to maybe think of the possibility that you two made an agreement before you got here as Kristen and this other person that you were going to have this discord in this life because that was something that was going to that you you both needed to learn. You needed to grow from it was for the highest good of your soul. And um, you don't really hate each other because that person's a soul and you're a soul. Um, and you made an agreement to, to do this. And sure, it's really painful as a human. But if you can start looking at everybody as a soul, life might be a little more pleasant for you. And at the time she said that, I was like, all right, I hear what you're saying. I will try. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. 
you know, we do make those agreements in the afterlife and we do incarnate with people that we love and take different roles for different reasons. And we are unconditionally loving in mm-hmm. our natural state. When we are in the afterlife, when we are in spiritual form, we are unconditionally loving. And that means no judgment at all. And because we are unconditionally loving, we don't have a negative judgment about pain and suffering. And we are more than willing to endure pain and suffering to come into and incarnate into a life because we love someone else enough to do it for them, to be a support person for them, to be a resource for them. Mm. How about, was there any um, information around people that, and I don't mean that specific person, but people who do and choose to, you know, incarnate as someone like Hitler, for example? I get a lot of Hitler questions. (laughs) (laughs) And and who's responsible for evil. And in fact, I have a whole chapter on on evil and, and who's responsible for it in my book, Answers from the Afterlife, because I've gotten so many questions about it. Right. Okay, I, as I just said, unconditional love means no judgment. Right. Humans are judgmental. Humans judge Hitler to be evil incarnate. Mm -hmm. Source does not. Source looks at it and thinks, huh, this was an interesting dream. I could never do that myself, but I can see that this imaginary character came up with a lot of really weird stuff to do. You know, it's just interesting to Source because Source does not judge so what about the the pain of all the people that, you know, experienced someone like a Hitler? Um, every, you know, the- every, yeah, every one of them came into this life knowing that's what they were signing up for. Mm. One of the things I learned in the afterlife about incarnation is that you know, we don't choose the, the, the body that we're going to incarnate in. We don't choose the lifestyle or the job or the marriage or we don't choose any of the details of the life we don't form life plans based on things that are important to humans mm-hmm. we choose the parents that we believe are going to produce a child that we can incarnate into who will have the experiences we're looking to have like you know if our theme again is greed we'll choose parents who we a judge will most likely produce a greedy child so that we can mm-hmm incarnate into that greedy child and we'll watch those parents you know for a while and see what they do and see what their life is like and see you know are is their lifestyle and their background and their place in the world is that all going to be conducive to the kind of theme that we're studying and if so then we may choose to incarnate into one you know of their children and in that process because we see the parents and we see the lives you know, we like preview the lives of the children they're going to produce. We know if we decide to incarnate into somebody who's going to be um, exterminated in a concentration camp, we go into human life knowing that's going to happen mm-hmm. and choosing it anyway. So have you had like any... Say, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I could talk forever, Kristen. I'm sorry. I, no, um, no, you're fine. <laughs> no, keep going. Um, because we are unconditionally loving, we are able to do that. And 
it, when I was in the afterlife, I thought I was being cruel because I didn't have any regard for my body. You know, once I was out of it, I, I didn't care about it anymore. And I thought that was really cold and cruel. But unconditional love means, and, and no judgment, means that you see things clearly. You feel things purely. But there's no suffering. Mm. So in the afterlife, you know, we we can look at extreme cruelty in human life and, and even... Ex- relive the pain and the suffering but we don't feel it as pain and suffering we don't feel our memories of human life as pain and suffering it's it's just so completely different from human life that it's it's hard to find words to describe it it is it's much bigger than our language uh here so in oh so interesting so when you are um you know, working with people, doing workshops, things like that. And, you know, you see people that they're so embedded in, but I just want to learn how to get that BMW or define my soulmate or to have a million dollars in my bank account. You know, when they're like in that, that's place where that is like, that's the be all and end all of everything. What do you you know, because obviously if they show up, they're seeking something more. Maybe they just don't know how to ask the question. But to me, that's like a stuck, sort of a stuck space. How do you, how do you handle those kinds of encounters? Well, I actually do manifesting coaching sessions. Mm. And some, some people do want to know, you know, how do I make more money in the stock market? Right. And what I, what I do is I, um, you know, I listen to them and I listen to what it is they're trying to accomplish and I give them my best guess at a way to to do the attention and intention to manifest what, what it is that they want. I, I don't judge, you know. What, what they're they asking want. for. Okay, right. See, yeah. I was going into that with judgment. <laughs> I was, wasn't well, I? Well, I'm kind of like the last person who could judge that particular thing because I spent my whole life before I died trying to make money. And, you know, since my um, afterlife visit, <laughs> one of my friends says I'm now climbing back down the ladder of success. Because <laughs> <laughs> money doesn't mean anything to me anymore. <laughs> That's how I I look at it. I look at some of my friends and you spent how much money creating this network and I was like it doesn't matter okay this is this is the mission it's the mission like it's so much I'm thankful that it was there and it's first of all it's my business my personal business and what I will choose to do with with you know what I can manifest financially but if I got when more comes in it'll still go to this because I don't think about I just the last thing on my mind is like a bunch of houses and cars. And, you know what I mean? That's just not like at all part of my consciousness. <laughs> so it's all about being a help and all that. So when you you look at someone like Viktor Frankl, who who wrote you know obviously an incredible 
incredible writing and talked about, you know, having meaning in your pain. Is that something that resonated with, um, I know it, it's different from the place that you were, but how about that as being a reality as a human being, like how we get through this experience, finding meaning in, in painful situations, as well as other situations, like, is that a big driver of this human experience? No, not at all. I was told in the afterlife that human life is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be interesting and challenging and surprising. It's hmm. not supposed to be as painful as we have created it to be. And what has happened is that we souls inside of these human bodies, because we have amnesia, we have started thinking like the bodies do and human animals are extremely competitive um, and they cause each other a lot of suffering in, on the emotional level um, because of their competitiveness and because they're always trying to one up one another and put the other one down and you know things like that and the humans are extremely violent and they do physical violence to one another because that's their animal nature um, but no, there's not, there's not any meaning in that. And in fact, one of the reasons I was told to bring this message about manifesting back um, to my fellow souls in the field is that we can stop that pain and suffering. We can manifest healing for ourselves. Mm. Interesting. So you do tell our listeners, since we have to wrap up and there's 8 million more conversations we need to have. <laughs> Where, how, how do you work now? Um, what, what is it that you do? Obviously, you're an author. Um, backwards beliefs. You've written. You wrote. There's, I mean, there's so many books that you've written. What is it that you, you know, since you're not a lawyer now and you've had this experience, what are your days like? Um, I spend a good chunk of my day uh, rehabbing from cancer, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then. Part of my day, um, writing. I've written five books. The newest one is Create a New Reality. And I write um, newsletter articles once a month. And I write to people who write to me. You know, if they send me emails, I answer them. I'm also, I've just started doing manifesting coaching sessions because I found that, you know, people were asking me questions in emails. And what I wanted to do was ask them questions back for clarification. And I realized doing it through emails just wasn't going to work. So I started um, offering one hour, half hour manifesting coaching sessions and the money goes to my publisher to help pay for the rising cost of distribution of my books. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a whole other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like they're, they're about to go out of business. So I'm trying to help without, you know, mm. digging more into my own pocket. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nancy, oh my gosh, of course, Ryan would send you my way. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I want everyone to visit her website. It's N-A-N-C-I-D-A-N-I-S-O-N.com. All of her books are there and um, also a, um, a CD. So please go visit that. Um, Nancy, stay on, even though it sounds like you need to hang up, stay on for a second after we say goodbye. But um, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Oh, thank you for letting me ramble on to your listeners. <laughs> I was not rambling. It was wonderful. <laughs> and thank you listeners for another edition of Mental Health News Radio. Hi, this is Dr. Paul Meyer, founder of the National Chain of Meyer Clinics. I've often told you about how people just like you are getting the healing that they need from emotional issues like depression, anxiety, anger problems, and relational problems. We wanted to share with you Mickey's experience at our day program and how it has affected his life. The Meyer Clinics has been a real blessing to me. Dr. Meyer told me that people get well here and my life has been completely changed. I have been symptom-free for three years and I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to overcome an emotional problem of any kind. Mickey's story is like so many others that we receive. It's an encouragement to us and we hope it will also be an encouragement to you to call us to get the emotional help that you've needed. Please call toll-free 888-7-CLINIC to be connected to the Meyer Clinic program nearest you. That's 1-888-7-CLINIC or go to MeyerClinics.com. That's www.meierclinics.com. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.